0: Hi there, and welcome back to the Disabled Tales. I'm your host, and I figured now would be the best time for, I guess, a little update for those of you listening who either want to learn more about this for, you know, someone in your life, or you yourself want to know about it for your own personal reasons. So, we're going to talk about, um treatments in regards to intracranial hypertension, but surgery-based. So if you listen to my first episode, um, you know that I currently have a VP shunt as well as a stent on the right side of my brain and my right transverse sinus vein. So you may be wondering, Especially if you have researched this uh, disability and you know just kind of know a little bit about it, you may be wondering why the overkill. So I'll tell you. Um, I, whenever I got diagnosed, got a lumbar puncture. Um, which for those for those of you listening that don't know what that is, um, basically I laid. On my side with my knees curled up to my chest with a um, like x-ray machine over me and uh, basically I had a, a lumbar puncture with fluoroscopy so the doctor slash radiologist wasn't going in blind and could see what they were doing and as I'm laying there I have a very long, like if you look up this needle, it is incredibly long. Um, I have a needle uh, and basically put into my lumbar um, of my spine and it one drains spinal fluid and also two measures it. Well, it measures the pressure my opening pressure, and it can help, you know, drain it so that way the closing pressure is a lot less if you're like me with a really high pressure. So if you know anything about it, you know that this is about to both surprise you and blow your mind, my opening pressure was a 52. Normal, regular, average person, healthy, should not be any higher than about 15. My mother, who also has the same condition, hers has never been higher than about a 36. So what does that mean? You might wonder. It means that my brain's pressure was super high and was putting me at a great risk of many things like stroke, and I desperately at that point needed the uh, I guess the release of pressure the drainage really needed it so I you know had this all happen and for the next three to four months I tried medication to maintain my pressure which unfortunately for me didn't work out I for about a month stopped going blind But it came back, and I started going blind again. And even though we kept raising my medication, which at the time was Lasix, which, like if you didn't know, um, it's a really aggressive diuretic. Most doctors prefer to prescribe Diamox over Lasix first, but I have a sulfa allergy, so I couldn't take it. Um, Topamax is the next go-around, but Topamax, um, sorry about this, Topamax made me very suicidal, and also made me throw up a lot, so it was just not in my best interest to be on Topamax. Um, so my other option was Lasix, and at first it, you know, did give me relief, but we had to keep raising... The amount of it, and by the time we got to the final dosage that I was on before surgery, just nothing was working at that point. The dose I was on uh, during and after surgery and right before was a hundred and sixty milligrams a day. Um, the highest that my ER doctor said that he'd ever prescribed much less seen was about 20 milligrams a day. And so he was also very shocked. Um, and I saw this ER doctor because I was having uh, stroke-like symptoms right before. I was told by a radio, crap, uh, a interventional radiologist um, that He was surprised I hadn't dropped dead, or had a stroke yet. Um, One side of my transverse sinus vein, the left, was completely closed off in September, and the right side has started to narrow. Unfortunately for me, this was not made aware to me until about, I would like to say, January? January. That was the following year. Um, my neurologist only told me that there was some narrowing, but she did not tell me that one side was completely closed off while the other was starting to narrow. If she had, I would have probably gone with surgery a lot sooner, to be honest with you guys. So, after he made this aware, I had a cerebral angiogram, which is basically where they have this camera and a um, contrast dye um, injector in a tube that they um, put into your femoral artery and go all the way up from your femoral artery to your brain and check the flow of everything. So, blood, spinal fluid, you name it, they're checking it. And, um, Yeah, ultimately, they said that things were so bad that I needed to have both a stent and a VP shunt placed. Um, The VP shunt was placed on February 2nd, um, and the shunt was placed on February 10th. Correction, VP shunt, 2nd, stent. 10th, sorry. Um, and so, day zero of having the shunt, my symptoms were gone. Everything was starting to get manageable. Obviously, my body was freaking out over one being cut into so massively, but also it was freaking out because there's a foreign object inside of it that it doesn't recognize, and It was terrible. I started um, actually rejecting the shunt at one point because I don't know why no one thought to do this, um, but I had the big brain idea when I was crying in pain. Um, I was like, hey, uh, I know you're about to give me more pain meds because I'm in pain, I'm like, hey, uh, could you check and see if I've been given any muscle relaxers? And suddenly it hit the nurse when I asked her that, of, oh, (laughs) huh. That would probably be a good idea to make sure you've been getting those. She checked, and what do you know? I hadn't been given any muscle relaxers just painkillers if you're like me chronic pain disability you know that there's a difference between nerve pain and muscle pain nerve pain you treat it with painkillers muscle pain you treat it with muscle relaxers and if you try to treat muscle relaxers or correction if you try to treat muscle pain with painkillers it's not going to work And if you try to treat, you know, nerve pain with muscle relaxers, it's not really going to work either. So, yeah. Imagine my surprise when she told me, nope, we haven't been giving you that. Let's start that ASAP. So, that helped tremendously. And at that point, we finally... We're starting to, you know, see things pretty well, but TMI for you guys, potentially. So I, you know, noticed that I was having a lot of symptoms similar to bladder and UTI infections. Um, I know that sounds a little redundant, but making my point. Um, and the only symptom I didn't have was, you know, the burning during urination. I just had a lot of similar pain to it, very suddenly. It was weird, and I didn't have this prior to surgery, but I figured, well, surgeries can can get messy. They can, you know, put you at risk of infection at any, t- you know, time and point, so, you know should probably get that checked out if it's not going any going away anytime soon so I you know waited a few days after my stent was placed so after the 10th and I finally you know got it checked out because at this point it's been bothering me the entire time and I you know tested negative for an (laughs) infection. I have no infection, um, and I was still on the Lasix at the time because I needed to taper off of it, Um, but I drink a lot of water naturally because Lasix makes you very thirsty, makes you dehydrated, and so whenever I did these tests they were like oh there's some blood in your urine but you know no infection and so they wanted to do an ultrasound ultrasound no kidney stones nothing wrong so I start you know investigating further I tell my my surgeon who did my vp shunt about the abdominal pain I'm experiencing and the pelvic pain I'm experiencing get a few x-rays shows my catheter for the output flow is really close to my bladder, and it's in my pelvic region, and it should be in my abdominal cavity, not anywhere near my pelvis. Well, I decided to talk to my mom, and she's like, hey, have you gotten the OR report back? You know, the the thing that says everything that they did, you know, if they needed to administer, um, any blood dinners or anything at all, what they put in you, how they cut you, etc. And I was like, no, I haven't. So I asked for it. And they were very hesitant to give it to me. And in fact, uh... <laughs> It was incredibly hard to get it. Well, finally received it and I could tell that whoever wrote it and of course I claimed that my surgeon wrote it, but whoever wrote it wrote it very quickly and very last minute, and at this point it's been over a month since my surgery. So at a time whenever they should have written it very shortly after the surgery was done, um it it looked like it had been written very haphazardly and last minute. So I showed my mother and she went, Well first off they said that they used a tunneler, which clearly they didn't, because if they had, your neck, chest would have been bruised up really bad. And I have pictures of me during that time and there were no bruises on my neck, no bruises on my chest, nothing, and she also was like, well, and also, additionally, you see here that they cut into this, but they have left the rest of the catheter here, yeah, that's not right either. Also, it says that only he performed the surgery, there's no general surgeon listed. And I went, wait a second there's supposed to be a general surgeon too. My mother works in surgery and she was astounded the fact that he didn't have a general surgeon help him do the general surgery part because that's just proper protocol. That's how they normally do it. And so, I bring to my surgeon's attention that, you know, I'm still having pain what do I do? Everything's coming back as what I just said. The catheter is looking like it's too long. He denies it. Says everything looks perfect. Looks fine. And then goes, I'm not a GI specialist. I don't specialize in GI. Go talk to your PCP. Well, I did exactly that. And I saw a general surgeon. I saw two different other doctors, I saw a lot of do- different specialists, and I did a ton of tests, ton of imaging, and over the past year, I've accumulated so many tests and imagings and the like, that at this point, all that's left is my surgery got botched. But, If you've ever met a surgeon, much less a neurosurgeon, you know that they have a very big pride, very big ego, and they never want to admit when they've messed up. Because then that would be admitting that they're less than perfect. And like I said, if you've ever met one, you know that that is not something that they view as an option so you must be wondering what are you gonna do? well as of right now tomorrow I will be having my shunt turned off and seeing if I become symptomatic if I don't then I'm having my shunt removed if I do I'm still currently in the dark about what the plan is to help me. I'm recording this right now on technically Monday morning, but I still consider it Sunday night since I haven't slept yet. And I will be recording an update on how I feel after the 48 hours is up. So that way, you, my listeners, can know how I'm feeling at the end of this, what my experience is, and hopefully, hopefully I can get some relief soon. Because for the past year, I have been experiencing sharp abdominal pain. I have felt my catheter move so many times in uncomfortable positions that hurt me. And I'm tired because I can't tell you how many times I have asked myself, was the trade-off worth it? Was having my vision permanently back worth being in constant abdominal pain, sharp abdominal pain that makes it impossible to do things like wear a belt? Was it worth it? And dear reader, maybe you're, you're thinking, yeah, it was, it's obvious, but if you're like me <laughs> and you wanted to have your life back, you wanted to have some semblance of a normal quality of life, and now suddenly it seems like it's not back to you, you would be confused too. So, I'll be back recording again on top of this, adding to it of how my experience was. Because I feel like you listeners, and myself, deserve to know. And deserve to have updates and know that I am just like you. I am fighting, I am advocating for myself and trying to get to the truth of the matter figure it out. It's not easy. It really isn't. But I'm going to figure it out. And if that requires me to do uncomfortable things, just so I can feel a little bit better, have a better quality of life, then I will do it. And if that means that my surgeon has proven that he me, he botched my surgery, and I end up having to press charges against him, I will do it. Because maybe you felt like you didn't deserve that kind of justice, and I, I know, because I felt that way too, but you do. You deserve respect. You deserve compassion and care. You deserve doctors and nurses who take your pain and your symptoms seriously, you deserve health care that actually cares and actually treats you and tries. All those doctor TV shows that show doctors going above and beyond to help their patients to figure out what's wrong, those are lies. But you know what? That doesn't mean that we don't deserve that level of care, because we do. We deserve to not have to research, to not have to advocate, to not have to scream at the top of our lungs that we are hurting and us disabled people are dying because we are waiting and we are fighting and we are begging for more. And that's not fair. We shouldn't have to. We shouldn't. But that's where our lives are right now. And if you didn't know that already, able listeners, then now you know. So I'll be back, I'll record, and I'll update you guys. Hopefully there's good news. And this will be all one episode to make it easier. That way you're not on the edge of your seats waiting. But yeah. I hope all of this goes well. Hi there, and we are now two days after my adjustment to my VP shunt. And as promised in the previous uh, recording, which will be you know, the same episode, um, I was going to update you guys on you know how it went, what happened, et cetera. You know, nothing is, is too weird. But before I get into that, I really want to give a trigger warning because I know you know some people like me can get really overwhelmed. upset hearing about these certain topics, so um, if you cannot handle medical abuse, um, general hearing about people in pain, and having neglect from doctors, um, this is this is not gonna be a good time for you. So I recommend, you know, if you want to skip this, that is totally okay. So Monday morning, I went in to get my shunt turned off, I say with uh, quotation marks of the fact that you can't turn off a VP shunt without disconnecting the catheter from the valve. So, this is more like weaning me off of the VP shunt. Well, unfortunately for me, um, I had talked to the medical distributor rep for the company for my VP shunt, and she let me know that, uh, that most likely he'd be turning it down to the setting of 0.5. So, just a quick rundown my VP shunt has the current settings of 0.5 being the lowest and 2.5 being the highest. I have been on 1.5 for the past year. I've not had any adjustments to it, nothing of that sort. So I was told I was gonna go down to 0.5 by the rep. Well, I came into the office of my surgeon and as he's setting up the magnet on my valve, um, he's telling the medical students there that he is setting it to 2.5. Now, obviously if you're like me, you're a little alarmed by what's going on and you ask, you know, wait, why 2.5? Why are we going up and not down? (sighs) Unfortunately for me, my surgeon got very defensive. And um, when I brought up what the medical rep said, he said that if that were the case, then I should just get treated by my medical rep. And obviously, you know, it's, that's not possible. He's just getting defensive because his ego is so enormous. And if you're wondering, yes, my surgeon is indeed a white, older man. Um, so he turns it to 2.5. Within an hour, I'm having pressure on my eyes, and I have a stiff neck. By the time I go to work a few hours later, I had taken a nap after the appointment. Um, My neck was getting to an unbearable amount of pain. The pressure in my eyes increased. Um, I began to have pain in my inner ears and my uh, joints in my jaws and it was it was unbearable. I felt awful. I felt the way that I felt before I went into remission and right before I'd start having blind episodes. So Monday I worked and then Tuesday I took off because I just didn't want to risk the fact that I'd be driving and possibly going blind. So Monday night I went to the ER with my mother after work because it just was getting so bad. Um, Another trigger warning, Um, this incident caused me to have a lot of suicidal ideation, partly because of how my surgeon was treating me, but also mainly because of what was happening with it being adjusted. It was messing with my psychological state. So, This wasn't purely circumstantial, it was was also the fact that my brain had been just adjusted, (laughs) and now I have different pressures on different parts of my brain, so things are going to be a little different. Well, I became really agitated. I had a lot of suicidal ideation, and... (sighs) The ER doctors wasted four hours of my time, they did a CT scan, it came back clean, and the thing is, is that every time a CT scan is done of my head, it comes back clean, even whenever I was at the highest risk of having a stroke and going blind constantly, it was clean. Um, If you have intracranial hypertension, most likely your MRIs and your CT scans come back clean on your head even with contrast. Now, MRAs and MRVs, different story. But, yeah, he uh, was just like, oh, well, they're clean, and you just have a headache, and I kept having to correct them and saying, no, I do not have a headache. I just have pressure on my eyes, and he, he didn't seem to understand, and he put on my report Um, that I came in for a headache despite me repeatedly saying I did not have one. Um, When he called the on-call neurosurgeon who happens to work at the same office as my neurosurgeon I see now, he said that it wasn't emergent enough to come in. So here I am crying both because I'm upset, and also because whenever I, I, you know, am having all these symptoms, I have that issue that some people have where you are tearing up as if you have something stuck in your eyes constantly. So it's those really rough, abrasive, salty tears just constantly going, even whenever you're not upset, nothing's going on, you just, it, it just feels constantly like there's something stuck in your eyes so what do you do? Well, subconsciously you're rubbing at your eyes, so currently my, the corner of my eyes are just rubbed raw, (laughs) um, and I, I, I have a brain disease that causes me to go blind, and I just had my shunt adjusted, and I need someone to put it, At least back to 1.5 so I can not feel so bad. And this surgeon decided that he valued sleep more than my quality of life, even though he's on call. So it's literally his job to come in whenever he gets called in. Um, so yeah, but he did tell me or specifically told the ER doctor that because he works at the same office as my neurosurgeon, that I could just come in the, the following morning, and he'd fix it for me himself. So I did exactly that. I walked in Tuesday morning when they opened, and the front desk person looked at me, and, you know, went, well, no, we don't have any PAs, and no, you can't see any of the doctors here because, you know, the one that you see isn't here and guess you're going to have to just schedule and blah, 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 blah. And I went, well, he, doctor, this said I could come in and he'd fix it. And I was like, he told the ER doctor that. And she just laughed at me and mocked me and said, ER doctors don't know anything, etc And then I you know, told her, well, he didn't view it as emergent enough, though, and and honestly, this is an emergency, it's urgent, and she's like, well, if it was so urgent, then they would have fixed it in the emergency room, which, I don't know about you, but that made me, that made me angry, (laughs) like, I'm clearly in pain, I'm clearly not doing great, and You have the audacity to mock me, to make fun of me, to make it out like I'm overreacting and you're, you're a woman and you're doing that to me. (laughs) Wow. So, um, as I am angry and trying to calm myself down so I don't punch this woman in the throat, I go, okay, well, I guess we're getting scheduled for tomorrow. I'll be back. So I went home and I passed out and I slept pretty much the entire day Tuesday. And we went to the surgeon's office again the following morning to get it fixed. And right off the bat, he's defensive because I'm asking him questions because I go, well, the ER doctor was really confused as to why, you know, you wanted to do, you know, you wanted to crank it up instead of cranking it down. And he went, well, he's an ER doctor. He doesn't know anything about shuts Blah, blah, blah. He ran out of Every time I, I asked him a question, he'd get defensive or, or just let his ego take over or rant and make me, or try to make me feel stupid. And at one point, Once again, I haven't gotten my my shunt fixed yet, so I'm dealing with this all well in pain, and he starts screaming at me, are you happy with your care here? Well, I don't know about you, but I grew up being bullied and dealing with bullies like him, and I know how to play his game, I know how to outsmart this guy because I've done it a million times. I go, well, I don't know enough information about my care. I don't have every information. I don't, you know, I don't know everything about it. So I can't come to a conclusive answer on that. So I don't know if I am happy with with your care here. I don't know. I cannot come to a conclusive answer at the moment due to not having all of the information. Which, frankly, shut him up. And then I think he, like, went, oh, light bulb moment. And he went, well, do you want a second opinion? <laughs> Jokes on him. Of course I fucking do. Well, I went, well, I guess so. I. It wouldn't hurt to have a second opinion. Who do you recommend? He recommends one that I've already seen that I actually reported and I go, no, I don't want him. He's like exasperated at this point and goes, well, then who would who would you think would be the best? And I went, oh, this guy, he's been doing this for, you know, like 30 years and I've heard great things about him and he knows about my condition. He goes, okay. And then I went, oh, and also if you could throw in the, um, referral for that general surgeon you were talking about. So then I asked him, you know, about, uh, one of the questions I had asked him was, you know, okay, so what do we do now? And he just went, there's not really much we can do now. You can just live with it. It's not like we can anchor it or anything. Yeah. You just, you just have to live like this. For the rest of your life in pain, which, honestly, any time a doctor has just resolved to that instead of trying to help me, makes me feel absolutely hopeless about my quality of life, and you know we don't we don't talk about that how, you know, after all these appointments and dealing with these doctors not listening or not trying, how hopeless and lonely we feel. Because now we have to wonder if it's worth exploring other options, trying to find someone who's willing, or if we just accept it, count our losses, move on which is terrible. No one should have to make that decision at all. Anyways, the funniest part, every single appointment I've had with him the last three times, I've recorded the conversation, obviously with his knowledge. And every single time, he seems to want to incriminate himself in these recordings. So, within an hour of him adjusting my shunt back to 1.5, I felt tremendously better. I'm still dealing with the puffy and raw eyes, unfortunately, but everything else has finally stopped. And... I'm I'm happy about that, don't get me wrong, but I'd be lying if I said I really am disappointed because I, I did have a little bit of hope that maybe, just maybe, I could wean off of this and get it taken out, have my problem solved, but it might not be possible, and it sucks. And I don't know how to make others who have my condition feel better about this. Because usually by the time we've gotten to this point, we've already tried every avenue to get better. And it's not fair that we don't have enough resources and treatment to try. So that way we don't have to go under the knife. But yeah, I'm feeling better now, but I will be seeing a second opinion as well as a general surgeon, and maybe hopefully soon, someday, I can find relief within my pain. And I hope if you are listening to this and you're struggling with pain or chronic pain in general, I hope one day you can also find something that helps manage your pain something that makes your quality of life so much better in regards to your pain management I hope you can find that soon because this this has never felt good but yeah I'd say we've gone over everything and hopefully one day things will get better So, I'll see you next time on the Disabled Tales, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.